0: Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Wood of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. We've been reading uh, this one small verse we started last week, Isaiah chapter 9, right at the front, verse 6 says, for to us... A child is born. Very appropriate for the Christmas season. To us, a son is given. I've been speaking on the subject of the truth, uh, tradition, conflict, and ways that you and I can have more of an intentional Attitude towards the Christmas season, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us today, so let 's pray Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it 's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword able to get into our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. That's our prayer today. God, we want you to do something spectacular in our life. Our hearts are open, our minds are engaged, our spirits are alive to hear what you want to say to us, Holy Spirit, in this season. And so speak to us, we pray. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Are you feeling alive? Are you excited? Turn the person beside you and say, you are unbelievably spiritual. <laughs> there, are, there are many uh, traditions that have sprung from the Christmas story. Uh, some of them are purely commercially driven. Uh, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer was not One of the animals that was there originally at the Nativity. Uh, He was an invention by Montgomery Ward to get more children into their stores at Christmas time. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Amazon Prime delivery stores opening around the clock is all a part of the Christmas tradition to get more people into. Uh, buying things and that they set whole, you know, economy uh, schedules and budgets based on this season of the year. Another thing is the mandatory photo of the child on the knee of Sandra at Nordstrom. They want to get you into the store and so you can buy more things. In fact, I think we have a, we have a photo of my grandson. There's my grandson, Luca on sandra who actually looks there like he's sponsored by Jenny Craig. Somebody needs to give him some turkey and some victuals or something. Anyway, and so the mandatory uh, sort of photo that, that will happen. Some, some traditions that happen at Christmas, some of you may be really into this, are hallmark movie driven. Anybody watch the Christmas hallmark movies? They all go pretty much the same. They sort of go like this. Soft white snowflakes fall gently on sidewalk as carolers sing downtown Nowheresville, USA. Mary from Manhattan's Tesla breaks down on her way through Nowheresville. Gary, the mechanic, orders parts. Mary from Manhattan randomly encounters Gary at a Christmas charity event for orphans. Gary likes Mary. Mary likes Gary. Gary upsets Mary. Spare part is delayed because Elon is distracted by Twitter. Gary. The mechanic really likes Mary. Mary hates Gary a little less. They share a grande caramel frappuccino with extra whip at Starbucks. It looks hopeful. A reindeer with a green nose is found alone in the parking lot. They suspect he has COVID. Mary's ex-boyfriend, a millionaire, flies in from Manhattan on his Gulfstream G700. Gary, the mechanic, hates ex-boyfriend from Manhattan. Mary's millionaire ex-boyfriend tries to get Mary back and take her home to Manhattan, Mary has fallen in love with Nowheresville and realizes she's in love with Gary, the mechanic. Mary and Gary kiss under mistletoe. Reindeer tests negative for COVID, so local vet gives reindeer antibiotics. Reindeer's nose turns red and gets employed by Montgomery Ward. Mary marries Gary and discovers Gary, the mechanic, holds the patent for Tesla. Random appearance by Santa. That's sort of how it happens. That's like the whole the Hallmark movie, all the time. Uh, Some some traditions are culturally driven. In the USA, it's winter, and it's Christmas carols and snow and things like that, gifts. In Australia, it's summer. And so we have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but his nose is red because of sunburn. He didn't slip-slop and slap the sunscreen and the hat and got burnt by the snow and, uh, and that, that's a major problem. Some people are driven by uh, the music and the carols. Every, I think every family has a tradition. Do we have the results of that survey we did earlier where the tradition of Christian music, can we put that up the day up? 49%. There we go. Whenever my spouse tells me, that was Greg and me. Both Greg and I have one thing in common. Our wives love Christmas carols in the car. My tradition for Christmas is to sing all of the carols incorrectly. I don't, I've been singing them for a long time. You'd think I'd get the words right now, but that seems to be my tradition. Some traditions are religiously driven. They're driven by the church that you Attend. We were in uh, Israel this week, and as we visited at various, you can take that down now. We, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen when we we're in Israel, we went to various churches, a lot of Catholic churches. And the thing that I've never seen before, you may have seen this, but I've never noticed this before that we went into these churches and the manger scene, baby Jesus is absent from the manger scene. He doesn't come to a Christmas day. And I thought somebody'd stolen. Jesus, I got to be honest, I I have to confess, I almost sinned. I didn't do it. I was tempted by the devil, but I didn't sin. Years ago, I was doing a youth camp in uh, Salt Lake City, and we were visiting the Mormon temple because it was there as a big deal, and they had a nativity scene, and I was trying to get my friends to go and steal baby Jesus out of the nativity scene way too many security cameras so we bailed on that so I thought somebody put that plan in action and then we found out no this is a Catholic tradition and in Israel they don't put Jesus in the nativity scene they got everyone else is there the wise men are there shepherds are out there there's animals they're just waiting waiting patiently for Jesus to show up in 25 days but every church has their Christmas tradition And, and many of the traditions that actually happen are driven by anything but the truth. And that has led a lot of Christian leaders over the years to, like, reject Christmas. There's been times throughout church history that church leaders have actually banned Christmas. Christmas. In fact, in Scotland, it was banned for 300 years because a Christian leader was so against it. You should only celebrate holidays that were represented in the Bible. But my belief is that if we serve a redemptive God, And we see his power of redemption all throughout the Bible, where he takes things that were meant for evil, and he converts them into something good. And the Holy Spirit breathes upon it and gives it life. If God can be a redemptive God, then I believe that you and I can be a redemptive church. And that you and I can bring glory to Jesus in the Christmas story, if we can take the Traditions and then redeem them with an opportunity to be able to preach the truth about Jesus Christ. We can use the tradition of Christmas as an opportunity to bring the real Christmas truth, the real Christmas gift, the real Christmas spirit to the world in His name. And His name is? His name is Jesus. He is the reason for the season. For under us a child is born, to us a son is given. I think it's our choice. We can use the Christmas truth, tradition, conflict as a point of connection or a point of contention. We can use it as a catalyst, I believe, to preach truth. For under us a child is born, and under us a son is given. The tradition is that he was born on December 25, but we know the truth that he wasn't born on December 25. That's not the date. That's a man-made date. We understand that, but the truth is he was born. That we know as a reality. We do know that the Word became flesh and he dwelt among us, and that is the truth about Christmas. A child was born. The tradition is that we should celebrate the birth of Jesus, But the truth is, nowhere in the Bible does it command us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Had God wanted us to actually celebrate the birth of Jesus, He would have given us a date. He would have given us a point of worship. So we're never commanded to or instructed to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But one thing we know, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. I can't think of a better reason to celebrate even though we may not be commanded to, and even though it may not be the right date, I think if there's a focal point that all the world can come together and we can celebrate with all the denominations and all the people that love God and all their different styles. How cool is that? There's a point of reference where you and I can come and worship the one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love that. I love that about Christmas. The truth is it wasn't a silent night. It was a really noisy night, but that's the traditional viewpoint. It's a silent night, holy night. The cattle are like, "Mm -hmm." the sheep are like, "Ah." it's all nice and peaceful. But the truth is it was chaotic. There was a census being taken. There were people flooding in to the, the, the city. There, there, there was a lot of action. The, the, the hotels in town were all booked out. There were so many people in there. And in that world of chaos, Jesus showed up. In that world of chaos and crisis, God came in the midst of that. That's, that's the truth, that no matter how crazy your world is, it can be full of darkness and void. And we have a God that can speak into our world and say, let there be light, and there can be light. We've got a God who can speak into the chaos and confusion and, and bring creation. That's the God that we serve. I believe that that's what Christmas is all about. It's about God stepping out of the realms of heaven and stepping into our crazy world and making a difference, and the real peace that comes in Christmas is not in the atmosphere that's around us, but in the God atmosphere that He creates inside of us. Is there anybody happy today that God has come into your world? The tradition is Christmas carols, but here's the truth that I love is that if you go through them all, They're playing songs that revere Jesus. When does that ever happen? It only happens now. You go down the mall in July, they're not playing songs about God but right now, and you've got a whole heap of people singing, you know, songs of redemption as they're singing Christmas carols, standing outside with choirs all over the world. I love the fact that people are singing about our Savior right now. That's the truth. And I believe if they can sing about the Savior, then you and I need to sing about the Savior. I don't want the rocks to outdo me or the unsaved to outdo me. I want to make sure that on my mouth, on my lips, through my voice that there is a celebration celebrating the fact that to unto us a child was born unto us a son is given I believe that we should be louder than anybody else about that gift to us at this time for unto us a child is born for unto us a son is given that's the kicker right there given Christmas continues to be about a God's given. God's given Love to us. God's given grace to us. God's given salvation to us. God's given healing to us. God's given freedom to us. God's given His righteousness to us. God's given mercy to us. God has given so much to us. I believe this is a time that we can give back to Him and that we can realize how generous God has been towards us. For under us a son, the best thing that God had was given to us. The birth of Jesus began as a son given. It's God's generosity to us. And I believe that that should impact every part of our mentality in this season. You and I should be primed up. The pump of generosity should be primed up. This is the time to tell people thank you. This is the time to write people a note and say thank you for everything that you've done this year. This is a time to honor your staff. This is a time to honor your boss. This is a time to honor your teacher. This is a time to honor people around you. This is a time to call that loved one or write a card to that loved one that you've been disconnected with for years and say, hi, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm trusting that you've had a great year. This is our time to be generous in every part of our being in this season. Now, I believe that we should be generous all year round, but if there's ever a time that the church should be stirred up to be people of generosity, I believe that you and I should be generous in that place right now. I suggest that the truth-tradition conflict should be viewed through that lens of generosity. How you see Christmas definitely makes a difference. In fact, how you see anything makes a difference. But how you see Christmas makes a difference. Luke and Matthew see the first Christmas through two totally different vantage points. I call it the sheep and the sudoku. Luke sees the son of man. Uh, Matthew sees the king. Luke sees shepherds and Matthew sees wise men. Luke sees the sheep. Matthew sees the sudoku. And the sheep and the sudoku are very, very different. Uh, Luke's shepherds, they saw a gift and Matthew's wise men, they bring the gift, a gift. How you see what you see impacts How you see what you see. It's the lens. It's the filter that you see everything through. So when the prophets saw the first Christmas, they saw a deliverer who would open prison doors, unlock chains, and sets the captives free. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two to five says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod for his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of of Midian, for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be turned for fuel for the fire. When the shepherds saw the first Christmas, they saw prophecy being fulfilled. The very next verse, verse six says, For unto us a child is, and to us a son is. So when the shepherds saw the first Christmas, they saw prophecy fulfilled. They saw a baby, child born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 12 says, And the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Seems to be a common theme anytime somebody sees an angel, I... Pretty well guess that I would too. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that there will be for all the people good news of great joy for all the people good news of great joy for all the people the angels come said don't freak out don't fear I've come to bring you good news of great joy for all the people you and I should be filled with the good news and we should be filled with great joy that we can spread to all the people around the land for under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this sign will be for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger and this sign will be for you Barclay said, it's a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this sign, and this sign shall be for you. The angels came and said to the shepherds, this sign shall be for you. There's a sharp contrast in Old Testament shepherds to New Testament shepherds. In the Greco Roman New Testament world shepherds were regarded as the bottom of the pile, both uh, socially and economically. Greeks and Romans looked down on shepherds. They, they believed that they led an idle life. Many people felt like they were, you know, on the side of the roads, robbing people and stealing from them. They, they uh, were mocked. They were despised. Aristotle describes them like this. Among people, the laziest are shepherds who lead an idle life and get their substance without Uh, without trouble from tame animals their flocks having to wander from place to place in search of pasture they are compelled to follow them cultivating a sort of living farm in other words he was like what do these people do let's follow sheep around they are lazy they are dirty Some people would say they were so poor that they had to sell their services out looking after sheep just to make some money. These were the lowest of society and God came and said, this will be a sign for you. The birth of the King of Kings was not announced in Rome or in Jerusalem, but in a nameless field in the middle of nowhere. It was proclaimed to shepherds. These are the first people to hear about. It's proclaimed to shepherds, not the wealthy, but proclaimed to the poor, not to the upper class of society, but those on the bottom. The angels were singing glory to God in the highest and they were singing those songs to the lowest of the lowest. He didn't come to nobles, he didn't come to kings, he didn't come to rulers, he didn't come to the Pharisees, he didn't come to the Sadducees, not even to Mary and Joseph's friends and family. The angels came and revealed it to shepherds. The angels went to shepherds and this will be a sign of, for you, you will find a baby. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. This shall be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in. This will be a sign for you. Could could this actually be a hand? crafted sign deliberately designed by God as His way of communicating His truth to shepherds? Could this be a handcrafted sign? Could this be God's intention? Could God have deliberately filled the inn with people and made the innkeeper so totally unaware of who Mary was. He didn't see a savior in her womb, but he saw a young teenager who was pregnant. Didn't even give his own room up, but put her out in the barn. There could have been a whole heap of things that the innkeeper could have done that he did not do because he couldn't see beyond what he could see. And that's got, I got to be honest with you, got to be pretty much like the worst business decision that you could make in Israel. Because I said, just Anna and I were just there. And they've made a tourist site out of everything. They've made a tourist site out of probability. Well, it's probable that Jesus walked on this road. We're not really sure. We don't have any historical proof, but it looks like it could be it. So this road is a holy road. And people are like, This is where he rose. One of my favorite photos and the photos that we took is outside the garden tomb. And there are people posing for a photo outside the garden, people posing for a photo outside the garden tomb. And right beside them is a sign saying, please don't pose for photos outside the doorway to the garden tomb. I thought, what a great place to be disobedient is right side out the place. Where G- <laughs> and they've turned to tourists. Could you imagine how much money the innkeeper would be making even today? His children's children's children, like descendants coming down. This is the hotel that Brother Marriott established 2,000 years ago. Where, where Jesus stayed. And you could have the, instead of like the presidential suite, you could have the savior of the planet suite and they could have sold it for a bajillion. People would be lined up just to go in and stay the night, worst decision ever. But I wonder if that whole busyness and the inn was full just because God wanted Jesus to be born in a manger outside with the sheep, outside of the, where, so when it, the shepherds came in, it would be a sign for them. God has signs. I know the plans I have for you. Prophet said, you knew me from my mother's womb. We know that Joseph, when he walked through everything, said to his brothers, hey, listen, I forgive you because what you meant for evil, God actually had intended for good. I understand God put this whole plan together. I realize that right now I'm in Pharaoh's court on an agenda, and it's to keep you alive, Judah, because you're carrying the seed to the one who's going to be born, and his name is Jesus, God put that whole thing together of Joseph's life just to keep Judah alive so a son could be born, so a son could be given. So this could be all handcrafted. A baby back then was cute, but wasn't really valued in society. Children didn't have any value like they do right now. And so the shepherds, obviously, as they're coming in, they're seeing a baby, could relate to the baby. The baby is at the bottom of the social ladder. They're there with the baby, so they're not intimidated. They don't have to walk in all fearful and and, and worrying. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's not dressed in fine purple. He's not dressed in fine garments designed by Versace. He's just coming in in swaddling clothes. And so there was a point of connection for the shepherds there. He's lying in a manger. He's out in a feeding trough for animals. And the shepherds certainly had the ability to connect right there. That's what I love about God. Doesn't matter where you're at. If you're here today and you don't know him, maybe he's using day, specifically designed this message just so you could hear his message and you know that God's not against you, that God loves you. For unto us a child is born, or unto us a son is given. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 2 says, And suddenly there were uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go and, let's go and see the sign. If God has created a sign for us, let us go and see this sign. This will be a sign for you. And God sent angels to get their attention to point them towards the sign. God sent angels because the religious people framed God in such a way that they would have never reached out to the shepherds. The Pharisees and the Saddu- Sadducees, the religious people of the day, would have never taken the time out to go to the shepherds. And so the lowest of society get a visitation from the hosts of heaven. I don't know if you felt like that. Well, you are like, God, I've got nothing to give. I am really nothing. And then you've got a visitation of His presence. Anybody ever been like that? Anybody grateful for God visiting you? Angels can visit. There's all sorts of stories of angels that have visited people throughout stories of throughout the Bible and throughout modern history. Some of them are angels, some of them people just think they're angels. We had a lady in church um, in uh, Townsville when I was there, and I I was driving to church, and this car broke down. I can't even remember what happened. On, on the side of the road and I saw that they were in trouble and so I got out and I helped and, and then I got back in my car and I, I drove to church and anyway about apparently about an, an hour later this lady is in church and she's talking to my mother and she says to my mother oh, I was on the side of the road and I think this angel showed up and helped me with my car and my mum was praying and she's like really an angel and then she turns and she goes that's the angel over there And she pointed to me, and my mother's like, yeah, he ain't no angel. (laughs) He's barely saved. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This sign shall be for you. And they went with haste, they, they sped, there was something in there, if God's got a sign for me, I want to see what God's sign is, and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. The, the, the religious people would have communicated tradition, but the angels came to communicate truth. The religious people of that day were interested in their traditions. They were locked in to their formulas. They were locked in to dotting every I, crossing every T, tithing on mint and cumin. The religious people would have come with their tradition that God is a God of distance, that somehow God is aloof, disconnected, and not interested in people. But the truth is, for under us a child is born, and to us a son is given. The truth is that this will be a st- Sign for you, handcrafted sign for the shepherds. And he says, Seek and find, ask, receive, knock, and it will be open. This will be a sign for you. You'll find it, you'll receive it, I'll open it. God's not into hide and seek. God's not making it difficult to find him. God is into seek and find. And this will be a sign for you. The tradition is that God is a God of disconnection. That he's uninterested. But the truth is, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. This will be a sign for you. To us, a sign is given. He came to shepherds right where they were at. God wants to pe- us as Christians to come to people right where they are at. Somebody said this, the pronouncement of Jesus' birth, first to shepherds of all people, there is a message of hope for everyone fighting the insecurities of not being good enough. The birth of Jesus in the humble setting of a manger with shepherds gathering around turns everything on its head. Our self-perception of unworthiness paradoxically is the requirement to enter. He who thinks himself unworthy of divine comfort is indeed the most valued and the most worthy of it. In other words, we come in lowly like shepherds saying, God, I don't deserve your love, but I thank you that you're going to give it to me anyway. I don't deserve the gift, but I thank you that you're going to give me the gift anyway. I don't deserve your love, but you're going to give your love to me anyway. I don't deserve the sign, but you're going to give me the sign anyway. God came to shepherds so you and I would know that no matter where in life we are, God has the ability to reach out to us. That's the reality of God. The tradition is that God is a God of difficulty. He, has, he is pedantic. He is more interested in ritual than He is with people. But for under us, a child is born. For under us, a son is given. This sign shall be to you. The, the truth is that God is way more interested in people than He is in rituals. God's way more interested in you than He is in ceremony. This is a sign for them, handcrafted so that they would be able to relate to what God is doing. I I, I love the way that God wants to communicate to us individually, signs that reach us. There's a broken woman, rejected by society, lots of issues in her life, sitting by a well, and her sign was Jesus having a glass of water. A conversation, was her sign. Somebody that was just interested in her life, somebody who didn't reject her, somebody who didn't push her away, somebody who didn't judge her, that was her sign from God, a sign of acceptance. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery the law said "Stone her to death and everyone stood around, all the religious people, rocks in hand, ready, let's kill her. And they, they used Jesus because they're trying to trip him up. They didn't care about her. Life they didn't care about exposing her. They didn't really care what happened to her. This was not a righteous decision. They were using her as a pawn in the opportunity to attack Jesus. And so what should we do with her? And Jesus looks at her and shows grace as you without sin cast the first stone and they went away what was her sign her sign was love her sign was grace her sign was forgiveness Jesus had a sign for Thomas and there were scars in his hand Jesus had a sign of an absent stone for people that went to anoint his body for burial Jesus sent a sign of an empty grave to those that went to check out where he was that he rose again he was crucified but he rose again it's a sign of hope for everybody This will be a sign for you. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They saw it. They saw the sign that was designed for them. Their sign had a story, and they made that story known. And then their story, became a sign for others. What a powerful testimony and a powerful thought about Christmas season. Their story became a sign so other people could see their sign and make it their story. This is really what it's all about. Their story had a story and 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 their story can be your story. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of our testimony. Our stories have power. I I think every now and then, and maybe some of you need to do this over Christmas, is take some time out and remind yourself of God's story for your life. Remind yourself where you were before God intervened into your world. What you were doing, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you just stood and you thought, where would I be without the grace of God? Where would I be without the gift of Christmas? Where would I be if there was never a son born? Where would I be if there was never a son given? Where would I be if God didn't create a sign for me? Where would you be if God didn't create a sign for you the power of their story still has power today 2000 years later their sign their story went beyond them they were compelled to go and tell other people about what had happened to them. They were driven. They were motivated. They weren't commanded. They just saw the sign and they said, we've got to let somebody else know about this. A lot like the woman at the well when she went back to her city. What did she say? Come and see a man that spoke to me. Come and see a man that told me anything and everything that I've ever done. And she introduced people to Jesus. And then the Bible says that many people came to Christ because of her story. And then many more came to Jesus because of their story. The story is not just to be consumed on ourselves; The story is to be passed on to other people. And so the tradition of Christmas, I understand the tradition of Christmas. I think some of those traditions are funny, but I love it that it can be a catalyst to preach the truth. And the truth is, for unto us a child is, born to under us the son is given. That's our story, that God came as a child. The world became flesh and dwelt among us. Their story can be a sign. It can be our sign. To a generation described as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd, is introduced to them from the story of shepherds. Story of shepherds can be a sign to us today, if you're watching online, the shepherd's story can be a sign for you. You may not feel like you have a lot to offer. Maybe you don't feel that valuable in the world around you. Maybe you don't feel that educated or that affluent or that successful or that popular or that trendy or that good looking or whatever, whatever you feel like you lack that God says, despite your lack, I'm not asking you to be perfect, I'm just asking you to come. Come as you are, and let me change you from the inside out. Despite the tradition of religious opinion, the truth is God is not aloof. Is anybody glad that God's not aloof? The truth is that He is not distant from our issues. The truth is that God is not uninterested nor is he disconnected from our day-to-day life. The truth is that he's not pedantic or is he difficult to encounter. If you seek him, you will find him. If you knock, it will be opened. If you ask, you will be able to receive. You can come, Russell can come. God said an angel. The word angel is just simply, angel means a a messenger. It doesn't have to be a heavenly messenger. It just has to be a messenger. Bible tells us that sometimes we could be entertaining angels unaware. We could be entertaining people who will talk about their encounter with us. Strangers that you meet, how you treat them they were I I wish everybody in customer service realized that passage of scripture that we are angels that they are entertaining unaware and that we're going to walk away from our experience and we're going to gossip and talk about our experience with them Why? Because we are angels. We've got the ability to communicate our experience and maybe they're unaware. So that's what an angel is. An angel is anybody that has a story. So the shepherds are out there looking after sheep and heavenly angels come because God had a story. God sent messages right to where the shepherds were at. Why? Because God was interested in them. And then the angel said, God has crafted a sign for you. You're gonna find a baby. It's gonna be wrapped up in swaddling clothes, just rags wrapped together. And they're gonna lay him in a manger out with all the animals. This will be a sign for you. You're gonna find that. And God sent messengers, angels from heaven. And the shepherds, they went and they found exactly what they were told there's a baby in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then they all of a sudden changed from being shepherds to becoming angels. And then they went out and they told everybody of their story. The first angels told God's story to the shepherds. Second lot of angels told God's story through the shepherds to people that they knew. And then today, 2,000 years later, you and I are hearing their story And we're reminded that God loves every one of us individually. And then God says, I want to give you your own unique story. Why? So you can go out and you can be an angel to your community, singing Hosanna in the highest, letting people know that God has a sign for them. Every person that you know, there's an opportunity to preach the gospel. Every person that you know, there's a moment, there's a time where they're going to need God. And God has sent you into their world to be an angel of His story. I honestly believe, just personal opinion, that there's no easier time to ask people to come to church than Christmas. What an opportunity to allow your story to be presented on this stage through angels that come and sing songs and angels that come and wear single handedly the worst Christmas sweaters you've ever seen in your whole life. Sorry about that. Yours is pretty good because. Pastor Walt, he gave it to you as a gift. Champion's not so good. Champion's not so good. He's pretty mad at Honor and Napo for that. So we have next week, we have Christmas Eve, we have Christmas in a box. We have opportunities for you to be angels. Instead of being angry at the tradition, why don't we embrace the tradition and give our truth? And the truth is for unto us a child is born. Under us, a son is given. Holy Spirit, wrap your arms around us. Holy Spirit, fill us with your grace. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your love. Fill us with a fresh anointing. We stand right across this place right now?